Thank you for the blessings you've given us. Lord, there are so many needs within our church and people that are hurting. Um, I know that Todd lost his job this week, and we need to remember him in prayer that he finds another one. Father, there are those that are sick among us that aren't able to be here. Father, I pray that you would heal them. Father, for all of us, as we struggle through with the fear of the COVID, if we, the, the mess that is coming up with the election, all of the stuff that's happening, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would go before us. That, Lord, you would comfort our hearts and strengthen our faith and draw us close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't we all be seated? When I was a child, um, that was back when they used corporal punishment. You know what that is? That's when they used to spank you. My mother at times would always get a switch because she knew that it wouldn't hurt us, but it would sting our legs. And uh, Some of you, I'm sure, have been switched before. But my mother did it in a unique way. She would make us go out and get it. And so we'd go out, and there's this bush, these bushes along the side of the property as we were growing up that were just perfect for this. They were just long, you know, switches. And so we'd get one and bring it back in, and she'd say, no, that's not big enough. Because we were smart, you know, we'd get the smallest one we could find. But she'd make us go out and get a big one, and we'd come back in with something. But we learned real quick to get a green one, something that was very limber. We didn't want a stiff one. So we'd get a limber one. She'd swat us across the legs for having done something we shouldn't have done. And uh, we'd pretend like we cried, but, you know, and, and they'd go on about it. Now, the problem with today and that whole idea of paddling or spanking or putting a switch to somebody's legs is that people abuse it and uh, child abuse occurs and things like that. And, be- and people begin to ask, how can a loving parent spank a child? Or how can a loving parent discipline a child in the manner in which they do? Maybe you disagree with their methodology. Um, but, you know, growing up, we never doubted that mom loved us. We never, ever doubted that. In spite of what she did or how she did it and whether she spanked or didn't spank or switched us or put us on restriction or withheld something from us, whatever it was, we never, ever doubted our mother's love. And the same was true with my father as well. Um, It actually proved it. Uh, I believe that my mother, just like your parents, and and us as well as we've raised our kids, we love our children and they loved us too much just to let us go, just to ignore us and pretend that it didn't matter and let let us grow up. Um, in re- a rebellious, with a rebellious nature or doing what we wanted to do. This whole idea of discipline proving that, that our parents love us didn't really hit home with me until I talked to one of my friends when I was growing up. See, I had a friend. His name was Benny, and uh, Benny and I had been together through junior high school and on into high school, and Benny was... Uh, one of those kids that were, well, I guess you'd say, the kids that come from the other side of the track. It was a, a, just a, a train wreck of a family situation. Um, Benny's mother left the kids, him, he and his brother and the dad at an early age. I never knew who his mother was or where she went or anything about that situation. But his father basically was non-existent. He was not present, uh, never took care of the, those boys. Benny would come to school when we were in junior high school, and he would never have lunch money. His dad wouldn't give him any. He'd just come to school, you know, with nothing. And so we were always, you know, he was always trying to bum money off the kids, and we'd help him out as best we could and provide some sort of a lunch for him. Um, 
And he would always come and play ball with us down at the house. Now, all the neighborhood kids came to our house to play ball. We had a, a great big empty lot on the side there that we played ball at all our growing up years. And my mother, knowing the situation that Benny was in, would often talk to him and say, Listen, said, come in here and get, the, get a sandwich. She'd make sure, and she never said, I know you haven't eaten. She would just say, here, you want something? Come in here. I'm going to make you a sandwich. And if he was doing something wrong, like skipping school, which he did a lot, um, she would always get on him, just like she, he was one of hers. He'd say, Benny, why are you doing that? You know, what's going to happen to you? You need an education, this, that, and the other, just on him all the time. And if he was out there and he missed a ball, he might say a swear word out loud, and she'd nail him for that. And one day, I remember, you know, I'm standing there in the field, we're playing, and she calls him over there. He had said something he shouldn't have, and she's letting into him, you know. He comes back over to me, and he says, I just love your mother. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why? Because she just chewed you out for swearing, and you come back and you tell me that you love her. I said, well, why? He said, because I know she cares about me. And I guess that was the first time it ever registered with me, you know, that she cared about him, and he desperately wanted that. He wanted somebody to care about him. And her discipline of him, the way she dealt with him, was proof to him that she at least cared because nobody else in his life seemed to. And that meant so much to him. And I've heard this from numerous people, um, that the discipline of our parents is one of the ways that they prove that they love us. Now, when you're on the receiving end of the discipline, you're not buying that for a minute, you know. But it is true. And as you grow up and look back, that becomes even uh, more obvious to us that we know that our, our parents cared because they did the things that they did to us. And they disciplined us in, in ways, however they did it, that at least demonstrated their love for us. And what happens when we as children then grow up to become adults and we have been undisciplined? We have been children who have allowed to grow up with their own way, doing their own thing, and if they want something, they take it, and they don't answer to anybody, and so forth. Well, all you got to do is turn on the TV set, and you'll see those. They're the ones that are burning the cities. They're the ones that are rioting. They're in Antifa. They're rioting. They're, they're the ones in the prisons. They're the people that grew up thinking that it was okay to do whatever you wanted to do because nobody in the past has ever disciplined them in any way, and now we're seeing the fruit of that. Now, we who go through it need to understand and believe and be convinced that it is an act of love for our parents and for you as parents to discipline your children. You have to choose a form of discipline that is uh, good for you, that you agree with, you feel comfortable with, but whatever it is, you you be consistent with it. And your goal is to change bad behavior and encourage the good. And you as a parent need to do that because when, you, when those children grow older, they need to understand they have boundaries. There are things they can and can't do. And we don't want them growing up believing or in any way thinking that it's okay to do some of the things that our, our human hearts, our depravity would lead us to do. And so it's up to you as a parent to do that. Now with that in mind, the same is true with God. The same is true with our relationship to God. Because this whole subject of discipline or chastening is something that Christians struggle with and struggle to understand it and struggle to endure it and 
And our, our struggle really is between believing that God loves us when we're going through in our lives such trials and tribulations and things that come into our life for whatever reason. And many times we don't know the reason. But to believe that God still loves us and that God can discipline us or chasten us or deal with us and still love us. And that is such a struggle for you and for me sometimes because we need to understand that God loves us enough to discipline us. Sometimes when we're going through the trials of life and the situations that cause us to question that relationship, we become angry and we wonder if God's angry with us. We look at what we're going through and we say, why is God angry? Why is God getting back at me? What have I done wrong? And we think of it in terms of retribution. We think of it in terms of penalty that we're being, now we're having to pay for all these terrible sins that's just coming back to haunt us and we're, we're having to pay for it. And I have had people ask me this question and more than one time in our years of ministry, and that is this, that if I am really forgiven for every sin, past, present, and future, like I've been preaching to you, if I'm really forgiven, and that if I'm really righteous in the eyes of God, like you've told me and like the Bible says, then why does God chasten me? Why does God discipline me? Why do things happen in my life that I don't understand and I have questions about? And what's this whole idea of confession? Because as a believer, why do I have to confess if I've been forgiven? And if I am right with God, what's the confession? And why is that something that God tells us to do? Now, to understand that, you have got to understand the difference between, now listen, between your identity in Christ and your behavior. In other words, we've been preaching through this series on grace and I have been harping on your identity. We've talked about the things that are true of you, whether you understand them completely or not, or even know about it. It is true regardless because God has said it. Uh, you have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. You have been justified and sanctified. and uh, All of these things that we've looked at over the past few weeks in this series, all of that has to do with your identity. I've kept telling you that over and over. Another way of, of saying it is, and this is we, we put it in these terms sometimes, is the difference between your position in Christ and your state of being. In other words, your position in Christ and your day-to-day condition. There's a difference there. And, and in order to understand chastening and, and discipline and how that fits into the Christian's life, you've got to separate these two out. Because if you don't, and you don't understand this, you will always be questioning your identity based on what's happening to you in your life. You will always be looking at the situations that you go through and questioning, does God really love me because of what I'm going through? And today what we're going to be talking about is that understanding that, yeah, you know, God does chasten and God disciplines and and trying to make a distinction between that because that is different. And understanding that we go through times like this and God does it through situations in our lives and things we go through. And um, we don't always know why. Uh, I'll tell you that up front. We don't know what he's doing and why he's doing it, but we're told in Scripture how to respond. But understanding that no matter what takes place in my life and what I experience in this life, it never, 
ever alters my identity, my position in Christ. It never, it never changes that. And so this is important that we make that distinction. And we need to understand that this relationship that we've entered into by faith in Christ is a relationship of a father and son, or a father and a child, a daughter, either one. And it's told to us over and over again, you have been born again into my family. You have been adopted, because that carried with it a whole other set of ideas that come into play, legal rights and everything. Um, This is the relationship. And no matter what you're going through, that relationship never changes. The things I face in life, there's a purpose behind it many times and I do not understand. But as we go through this today, I'm going to try to help you to put some things in focus at least. And God God disciplines and God chastens in order to correct behavior and in order to encourage good behavior. And there are things that he does to bring that about. And we enter into this and we proceed forward in faith understanding that this is who he is and understanding this is how he does things and understanding that just because it happens has no bearing on his love for me. In fact, it proves it. And so as we go through this today, this is what I want you to see. I want to jump into the text. We're just going to look at one text, one passage. It's only five or six verses or something like that today. And it's the, um, the I guess, the premier passage on this whole idea of chastening and we all need to understand this passage. So I'm going to pick it apart and take you through it in a few minutes here. And then we're going to draw at the end of this some in, um, application, some things that I want you to do. So let's jump in. Let me read for you. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be going through verses 5 through 11. But let me read verses 5 and 6 here at the beginning. It says, And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Now, son and daughter, I mean, it's just the term that they used in the scripture, but it's referring to all the children of God. Now, I want, to, I want you to look at this, because what has happened is this. The, the writer of Hebrews, writing to the uh, Jewish Christians primarily that were scattered because of the persecution, they were going through pure hell on earth. I mean, they were being tormented by, by the people that were the unbelievers in the world, especially the Jews. But they were um, scattered all over the place. Now, evidently, he, there had been instruction along this line. They knew that. They had been taught this. But now he's putting it in written form in order to send to them so they can see it. So now we get to see what they had been taught. And what they had been taught is this. He said, I did this, in, in verse 5, as a word of encouragement. I'm telling you this to encourage you as you go through these times in your life, these trials, that you kind of begin to understand why some of these things happen. And so he goes on down, he says, now here's what I've told you. This is what he's written down. He says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. In other words, guys, you need to take this seriously. He says, you as a believer now need to take this seriously and not take, make light of this because this is serious stuff. Because this is everyday living. This is how God deals with us. And you need to understand it. He said, I don't want you to lose heart. And I don't want you to make light of it. 
Now, there's two different things. I don't want you to make light of it and pretend it's no big deal and just push it aside. And then at the same time, when you go through it, I don't want you to get so discouraged, discouraged that you just want to give up. Because you need to understand some of the reasons why. Now, notice it says that three things in here that he mentions in this passage. He says it is the Lord's discipline is the term that he uses. Then he says when he rebukes you, that's another term that he uses. And down in verse 6, he says, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens everyone he accepts as a son. So three terms that he's used here. Discipline, rebuke, and chasten. Now let's think about this for a moment, okay? Because I'll explain this a little bit more in a minute. There are times when God chastens us because of the things that we've done that are wrong in order to correct that behavior. There are times when God rebukes us, just simply says through the Spirit of God and through the Word of God, telling you, don't do that. You've been rebuked. And then there is discipline, which is a little bit different from all of that, because there are times when things happen in life that have nothing to do with correcting bad behavior. It's something that God is doing in order to train us. I'll talk more about that in just a minute. But I want you to see here, because it says, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he disciplines every child that he receives. Now, if you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm sure going through a lot of discipline. Well, you know what? That's maybe a good thing. Because maybe it's trying to get you to understand that God didn't ignore you. God never left you. God never abandoned you. God wants to, as he said in Philippians, I believe, he said, I've begun a good work in you and I will carry it on to fruition until the day you come home or the Lord returns. I will carry it on. I will not stop. Because God has committed himself to make you and me into something glorious. We won't realize that fully until we're with him in heaven, but we are in the process of being changed already. We're being transformed. And the methodology that he uses is sometimes harsh. Now watch this. In verses 7 and 8, he says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. But true sons and daughters are, are nor true sons and daughters at all. Now, he's telling you that I'm disciplining you because you're mine. And if I don't, if I ignore you, then you're illegitimate. So he's trying to help them to understand that what they're going through is to be expected. And in this, he's, told, he's telling them, you need to endure this. Rather than bowing up and getting mad at God and rebelling against God and leaving the church and all of these things, dropping your faith because of something you're going through you can't explain, well, you need to endure it and understand that I am working in you. I've not neglected you. And guys, you need to understand this. He says hardship, endure hardship as discipline. When God deals with us to discipline us or to chasten us or to rebuke us, sometimes it's through the circumstances of life, and sometimes it's hard. It's not pleasant. Now let me clarify something, and this is what I was referring to a moment ago. Now I want you to listen to this very carefully, okay? All chastening, that's when God spanks you, all chastening is discipline. 
Because every time God disciplines or chastens you, He is training you not to do that again. All chastening is discipline. But not all discipline is chastening. Not all discipline is chastening. Now watch. It's the motivation behind it. Think about this with me. When you were a child and your mother tells you or your father says you need to take care of some things in the house. You need to take care of some chores. You need to get up and help your mother by washing the dishes. You need to go out on Friday or Saturday and you need to mow the lawn. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself as you're watching TV, you're thinking, well, what did I do? Why am I being punished? And your father says to you, you're not being punished. You're being trained. Because instead of you sitting here watching TV all day and becoming a couch potato, I want you to be busy. I want you to learn responsibility. I want you to learn hard work. And so you go out and you do those things, hating every minute of it. But your parent is disciplining you. He is, here's where we get the word discipleship. He is discipling you. He is training you. Well, God does the same thing, not because you've done something wrong, but because you need to be trained, and God is always training us. Guys, we're going to go through circumstances in life that just happen. I mean, God's aware of it. God let it happen, but it just happened. It's just part of life. Evil people do evil things, and sometimes your life is affected. Drunk drivers on the road kill Christians, and it just happens. And we scratch our heads and we think to ourselves, why would God let that happen? I don't know. But in every situation of life, God says, now what are you going to do about it? And how are you going to respond to it? Because you need to learn faith. You need to learn what it means to trust me. When your whole life crumbles around you, you need to learn to trust me. This is discipline. God, you didn't do anything wrong. God said, I'm not mad at you. I want you to understand that the only way your faith can grow is that I take you through the hardships of life. There will be times when you're disciplined, even in the good times. Think about this. Something wonderful happens to you and you start getting the applause and accolades of people. God says, now how are you going to deal with this? Because now you've got to learn not to become prideful. And so in my discipline of you, I'm going to teach you and train you what you should and shouldn't do. And God through His Spirit is, over, is just constantly transforming us and molding us and shaping us and training us. That's discipline. It has nothing to do with sin in your life. Now that's a big category. And within that, there are times when God chastens because of sin. But that's still discipline. God's training. And you need to understand this, Okay. The relationship between you and God changed forever at Calvary. You've got to understand this. The Bible says that God's wrath is poured out on the world. But yet when you became a Christian and put your faith in Jesus Christ, He says that you are now at peace with God. I'm at peace with God. Well, what about when I sin? You're still at peace with God. God's not mad at you because God's not seeking retribution on you anymore. He poured it all out on Christ at Calvary. Therefore, my relationship, as opposed to the unbeliever, is now different. 
And now my relationship with God is based on this human relationship to help us to understand a parent and a child. And as a parent, He loves me. And as a parent, He wants to change me and grow me and shape me. He's not going to ever neglect me. He said, I will not stop, ever. So whether you like it or not, guys, you're on the transformation train. You really are. God says, over here, the unbeliever, I'm not trying to change them. I want to save them. But they'll spit in my face. They'll turn their back on me. and They will not come. But you came. And now we are at peace. My wrath will never be poured out on you. Now see, here's where we mess up. We as Christians go through a terrible ordeal in life and our world just crumbles around us. And we're thinking to ourselves, God's wrath is being poured out on me. No, it's not. God said, I will never do that. But I will deal with you in your life, whatever comes your way, to help you every moment of the day to learn from the experience. And see, this is where faith comes in because now I've got to trust and I've got to believe that God cares about me that much. That God's going to train me every moment of the day as I go through these hard times. All chastening is discipline because I'm learning from it. But not all discipline is chastening. I'm not being punished by God. God always disciplines. Always. But he only chastens when it's needed. You need to remember that. When the Spirit of God, here's what I believe with all my heart, that if God is chastening you, spanking you, then you're going to know it because the Spirit of God is going to tell you. Nobody else can tell you that. Only the Spirit of God is going to convey to you, okay, you know why this is happening. Otherwise, if, if, God, if I don't know that, then it's of no value. God is saying, don't do this. Don't live this way. I have better things for you. And I believe that the Spirit does that. We are not illegitimate. And proof of that, according to the Scripture, is the way that God deals with us. Let me read the next verse. In verse 9 it says, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it, how much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? In other words, your human fathers disciplined you. They chastened you. And you respected them for it. Maybe not at the time, but you did. You knew in your heart that they were doing it for your own good. But guys, let me tell you something. Watch this. He says they, that you and I are to submit to them, and we are also to submit to God. And too often we raise our fists to heaven and say, look at all that I've done for you. Look at how I've served in the church and I taught Sunday school and I did this and I did that. Why are you letting this happen? And my answer is you may never ever know what God is thinking. And that doesn't matter. God says, what are you going to learn as I take you through this? Now let me clarify something, okay? I do not believe that God would take the life of somebody that you love or take you through some ordeal that just ravages your life just to teach you something, okay? I believe that things a lot of times happen that doesn't take away from the sovereignty of God. God could have stopped it, but he chose not to. 
for whatever reason. But as I go through those times, God says every, every situation in life is a chance for you to grow. It's a chance for you to trust me. It's a chance for you to learn from me. Now, what are we going to learn from this? And so we go through that time. And when we get to heaven, God will tell us all the answers as to why. But right now, that's not the point. The point is, how are you going to respond? And will I turn to God believing that I am his child, believing in this identity that he's told me about and trusting in that and standing on that with confidence saying, my God loves me? Or will I fall apart and doubt and run away like so many other people, I'll say, that have professed their faith in Christ who have only run away when things are difficult? Here's the next verse in verse 11. No, I'm sorry, verse 10. Talking about the parents, it says, They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Now, this little verse is just packed. Watch this, okay? They, the parents, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. Now, guys, let me tell you something. They didn't always get it right. Parents, unfortunately, discipline sometimes for what is best for them. Daddy, can I have the car? No, you can't have the car. Why? Well, I don't want to be bothered with checking up on you. Can I go stay or sleep over in a friend's house? No, because it's inconvenient for me. Dad, come out and play ball with me. No, I'm watching TV and I'm tired. You know, we as parents often do things to our children with the idea that I'm being a good parent, only because it's convenient for us. We do it as we think best, without thinking about the children. But he's doing a contrast here. He says, but God disciplines us for our good. All the things that God does in your life is for you. It's not for him, it's for you. Ultimately, it's his glory, but he's doing it to better you. In order that, it says in the last part of that verse, that we may share in his holiness. In other words, that our lives will take on a different look. The way we live will change. That's what he's after. I want to change the way you live. You are already mine. Now I want to change you. This is, I've told you before, the abundant life. The life that God says is available to you. If you just walk with me, walk with me, and I will teach you and I will train you and I will instruct you. So we're always, it's always for our good in order to provide for us holy lives. In verse 11, it says this, No discipline seems pleasant at, a t- at the time, but painful later on. I'm sorry, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now let's pick this one apart for a moment, okay? No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Man, isn't that true? It doesn't matter what you're going through. It's not pleasant when you're going through it. But it's painful. But later on, later on you look back on it. Later on you begin to realize, I changed. It produced a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God was training me. God was instructing me. God was helping me to change. 
And He provided for me righteousness and peace. So many of our Christians live lives of anxiety and torment and fear and doubt and all of these things because we don't understand this relationship. We don't understand who God is as it relates to us, that our identity, all the things that I've taught you. And so when things happen like this, man, our faith is shaken to the core. And we fall by the wayside. But if we just begin to understand and look back, we'll agree and understand that what God has done is remarkable. It's remarkable. He's provided peace and righteousness and I've been trained and I've changed. All of these things are something that we learn through discipline. Not pleasant. It really isn't. But it's something that you and I will go through because God said, I'm going to do it whether you agree or not. You're mine. Your parents don't ask you for a vote in how you should be disciplined. They don't ask you, well, how do you want me to train you? How do you want me to help you to grow to be a godly man or or a woman, or a husband, or wife, or parent. How do you want me to do that? What's the best way? And then we make a vote, and God says, okay, we'll do it that way. No. God says, I've got it planned, and I'm going to take you through it. It's going to hurt. Because anytime you're stretched, you hurt. And I'm going to do that. But in the end, you'll look back, and you'll realize I loved you. I loved you every minute of the way. I want to challenge you with something, and that is this. Very quickly, two things. When you are chastened, in other words, spanked, when the Spirit of God convicts you and says to you, you brought this on yourself, I want you to confess. I want you to be honest with God. And I want you to pour your heart out and say to God, yeah, you're right, Lord. The Bible says that When we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Christians look at that and they think, why do I have to do that if I'm perfect in His sight? You have to do it to avoid chastening. Why do I confess my sins on a daily basis? Why do I say, Lord, I've I've done this and I acknowledge it and I come before you and I have done this horrible thing? Why do I acknowledge that before God? Because God, just like any parent, all he wants is for you to understand the sin. It's not retribution anymore, okay? It's not vengeance anymore. It's parental guidance. And you've got to understand that. That's what the relationship is like. So when I confess, it's just like if your child does something today and they come to you immediately and they say, look, mom or dad, this is what I did. You know, if they hid it and ran from it, you'd probably come down on them hard. But because they learned their lesson, that's all you want. I've never seen a parent yet that enjoyed punishing their children. Never. You know, your parent always, my mother always said, this is going to hurt me worse than it does you. I doubt it, you know. But in her heart, she didn't want to do it. My dad used to cry when he would spank me. (laughs) That's the reason mom always did it. But anyway, um, 
none of them enjoy it. Um, but we need to understand that if we come to them and we're honest with them, it would avoid a lot of hardship in our lives. It really would. And same is true with God. So when chastened, ch- just confess. Whenever you find yourself, when the Spirit of God rebukes you and says, hey, 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 that's wrong, then confess and believe and trust that what God does is, is, is in your best interest. Now, here's the second thing that I want, you to, I want to challenge you with, and that is this. When you are disciplined, that means anything in the world that's happening in your life, anything that goes on, good or bad, when you're disciplined and you realize God's teaching you something, or at least you hope so, you don't always know that up front, then I want you to submit. You see, this is a change of attitude. This is me, instead of raising my fist to heaven and cursing because of something going on in my life, I take my fist back down and I fold my hands and I pray and I thank God for being involved in my life. Like my friend Benny says, you know what, your mom is so wonderful. How? Why? Because she cares about me. We say to God, you are wonderful. Why? Because I know you care about me. And I know that what I'm going through, whatever it may be, is something you brought into my life to make me into who you want me to be. And I respect that. Now that doesn't take away the pain. But someday I'll be able to look back and I'll say, man, God changed me. God changed me. And we thank him. We thank him for caring about us. I want to close this up by doing something. I want you all just to sit quietly. And I want you to bow your heads and we're going to give you a moment of silent prayer. Here's what I want you to do. Ask the Lord to show you something in your life that needs to change. It may be a sinful act sinful practice that is in your life that you need to be honest with God about and confess. You need to say specifically, Lord, this is it. This is what I see. This is what I've done. I realize it, and I'm confessing it to you, and I'm turning away from it. Whatever you're going through in life, even if God doesn't convict you of something, then realize that God is disciplining, he's training, he's educating and transforming you. And this is going to be more difficult. Because I want you to thank him for that. As hard as it is, as painful as it is, I want you to say to God, I don't understand, but I don't have to. Because I trust you. I trust you. And I submit to you. I surrender. So I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to spend the next few moments talking to the Lord. And I'll close this up here in just a second. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here in your presence, Lord, if you are convicting anyone of something in their life that needs to be eliminated, some sinful practice, then Father, I pray that they would confess that to you and face it, call it what it is, and deal with it. 
And Father, I pray that as we go through the, just the things that happen in life, just life itself, with all the heartache, with all the pain, with the suffering, that, Father, that we would remember and understand that you have not neglected us. You have not turned your back on us. But you are even more involved because you're training us. You're taking us through the ordeals that we face and we are learning and growing and changing. And you are transforming us into something different. Father, may we understand and believe our position in Christ, our identity. And may we never, ever question that just simply because of what's going on in life. Father, we do thank you. As we stand here before you today, we thank you for not only the blessings, but the trials, the heartache. Because, Lord, you are there, right there with us to encourage us, to hold us up and to teach us. Father, I pray for every one of us that we would indeed submit, that we would surrender to you and trust you. That is my prayer, that we would do that. Because I know with all of my heart that you, in charge of our lives, is the way that it ought to be. And that with you in charge of our lives, we can't do anything else but to grow. Father, help us to do that. Change us forever. In Jesus' name, amen.